British Medical Journal has argued in an editorial published in more than 200 health journals that health professionals and world leaders need to look at global biodiversity loss and climate change as one indivisible crisis that must be confronted as a whole. Yes, you have arrived. This is the latest episode of Climate Conversations and I'm your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton in Northern Victoria, Australia on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. It was EcoWatch who alerted us to the story from the British Medical Journal. And the story is written by Kristen Hemingway-Jones and has the headline, Time to Treat Climate and Biodiversity Crises as One Global Health Emergency, Major Editorial Argues. The story begins. A new editorial published in more than 200 health journals challenges health professionals and world leaders to look at global biodiversity loss and climate change as one indivisible crisis that must be confronted as a whole. Authors of the editorial call for separating the two emergencies a dangerous mistake and encourages the World Health Organization, that's WHO, to declare a global health emergency, a press release from the BMJ said. The story continues. The climate crisis and the loss of biodiversity both damage human health and they are interlinked. That's why we must consider them together and declare a global health emergency. It makes no sense for climate and nature scientists and politicians to consider the health and nature crisis in separate silos, said Cameron Abbasi, editor-in-chief of the BMJ, in a press release. The editorial, Time to Treat the Climate and Nature Crises as One Indivisible Global Health Emergency, was published in journals all over the world, including the Lancet, East African Medical Journal, National Medical Journal of India, Medical Journal of Australia, JAMA and Dubai Medical Journal. You'll find the link for that story in the show notes. From Perth now we hear that the carbon dioxide budget for stopping the Earth heating 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels could run out in the next six years. That's according to a study. The story has the headline, Six-Year Window to Stop Global Warming, Scientists Say. The story continues. Scientists say the window is rapidly closing and that the current rate of emissions is now more likely than not this key target of the Paris Agreement will be breached. They estimate there are about 250 gigatons of carbon dioxide left to emit before warming of at least 1.5 degrees Celsius is locked in which would take about six years without any drastic reductions. A 2018 estimate from the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, found there to be a 50% chance of staying within 1.5 degrees Celsius if global emissions were halved by 2030 and reduced to net zero by 2050. Peter Lewis, the essential poll man, has written on The Guardian, a story that has the headline... The right is firing misinformation bullets in its climate war on renewables. Here's a way to fight back. His story begins. Fresh from dragging invitation for reconciliation into a mire of racial division, the reactionary right is prepping a new community consensus to infect recasting the transition to renewables as a relentless attack on the environment. The Albanese government's election mandate to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 
kickstarted with rapid transition to renewables, including a 43% target by 2030, has shifted the climate agenda from advocacy to action. Its commitment to develop renewable energy zones to offshore wind, terrestrial solar and wind, and a long overdue upgrade of the energy grid to facilitate more decentralised transmission provides multiple entry points for a calculated exploitation. Peter Dutton is leading the charge, shamelessly pivoting from climate denial to saving the whales in a bid to whip up the red regions against the latte-zipping elites. The playbook is crude, but effective. Harness legitimate community concern to percolate victimhood, confect alarming consequences of change and create strawman alternatives to invalidate the need for action. A story from Yahoo Lifestyle by Laura Hampson has the headline Cardiovascular deaths could triple in the next 50 years due to the climate crisis. The story begins. The number of cardiovascular deaths could triple in the next 50 years due to the climate crisis, a new study has found. As global warming brings extreme heat, heat influence cardiovascular deaths, including by stroke and heart attack, could increase by as much as 233% over the next 13 to 47 years. The rising speed and level of greenhouse gas emissions over the coming decades could have a profound effect on extreme heat and subsequently the public's health, a study from the University of Pennsylvania found. Let's listen now to 90 seconds from Yale Climate Connections. I'm Dr. Anthony Lizowitz, and this is Climate Connections. As winter approaches, people with older homes may worry about the high cost of heating drafty rooms in the coming months. But homeowners can reduce heating expenses and make their space more comfortable with just a few simple weatherization projects. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, caulking air leaks around windows can reduce energy costs by 10 to 20 percent. Weather stripping around windows and doors and adding insulation to the attic, basement, and crawl spaces of a home can also prevent warm air from escaping. By reducing drafts, weatherizing can help keep it nice and toasty inside. And it can help reduce climate warming pollution. If the home is heated with fuel oil or natural gas, saving energy decreases a homeowner's use of fossil fuels. The DOE has created a web page that can help do-it-yourselfers figure out which energy-saving projects will offer the biggest bang for their buck. It includes step-by-step directions, the skill level required, approximate prices, and the amount of energy that can be saved by completing each project. So homeowners can decide which projects to tackle in order to help keep their home warm when the temperatures turn cold. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. An email arrived today from the Energy Efficiency Council announcing the November Residential Energy Performance Summit. The November 21 Residential Energy Performance Summit is the first event of its type staged by the Energy Efficiency Council. Promotional material says, Upgrading the energy performance of millions of Australian houses and apartment buildings is crucial to the health, comfort, energy costs and climate resilience of our homes. It's a critical national infrastructure issue and one that needs a coordinated approach. 
in partnership with the Federal Department of Climate Change, Energy, the Environment and Water, the Victorian Government and the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, the summit will be a leap toward an innovative, considered approach that joins the dots between government, industry and communities. You'll find a link to the EEC website in the show notes and in that website you'll find information about the November Performance Summit. Now we shift to a story from The Conversation, and it's written by Bill Hare, who is the adjunct professor at Murdoch University. The headline for the story is, The Beetaloo Gas Field is a Climate Bomb. How did CSIRO modelling make it look otherwise? The story begins, Even as Australia braces for a summer of projected extreme heat waves and bushfires amid the intensifying climate crisis, the fossil gas industry is gearing up for a truly enormous new fracking project in the Northern Territory's Beetaloo Basin. In February, a CSIRO-backed report was published stating Beetaloo could be developed without adding to Australia's net emissions. In May, the Northern Territory Government gave the green light to the project, citing the report as evidence emissions could be mitigated, reduced or in some cases eliminated. This report is important. It was produced by CSIRO's Gas Industry Social and Environmental Research Alliance in response to a key recommendation from the Northern Territory's Pepper Inquiry into fracking. That recommendation, Territory and Federal Governments should seek to ensure no net increase in life-cycle greenhouse gas emissions in Australia from fracking in the NT. How could it find a massive new fossil fuel field won't add to the emissions. Our forensic analysis of the report found it made the most optimistic assumptions about emissions at every stage and placed far too much faith in Australia's ability to offset emissions. And we have the subheadline, Remind me, how big is Beetaloo? The story continues. Big. The fossil fuel basin, 500 kilometres south of Darwin, is bigger than any current gas project on Western Australia's northwest shelf. We estimate 1.2 billion tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions would be emitted over 25 years to 2050, a figure 45% higher than in the report. Oh yes, we're here again at the end of another episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company, it's been great to have you along. I'd love you to follow this podcast because if you do that, you'll be alerted every time I publish a new episode. Also, I'd love to hear from you. I want to know what you think about this podcast. Whether good or bad, I want to hear from you. And you can contact me via email at r.mclean7 at icloud.com. Now, please tell me, good or bad, I don't care. Please let me know. Also, I'd love you to share this with your friends because it's important that we all know as much as we possibly can about the climate crisis, what's happening, why it's happening, who we should be putting pressure on, and why we should be doing that. So please share this. So, until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. Now please take care, stay safe, and take care.